0: Man, for a little bit there, I was like, we're, have, we're not having church anymore. We're having church, right? I mean, that was, right? That's church. I was like, oh, hey, I was just feeling it. I was just getting older. I was like, man, I knew I brought my dancing shoes, but I wasn't quite ready. Hallelujah. Was, man, I love it. I love when we can be ourselves at church. We can be who God made us to be at church. We can worship him with all that we have here at church with one another amen now we're not all the same and we shouldn't expect each other to worship the same but we should expect each other to worship because he is worthy of our worship right we got to give him everything that we have exactly how he made us and uh, I don't know I, I, I don't know how you do it but I got to move when when I feel the move of the Holy Ghost but people are all different I ain't judging but uh, I am so thankful that we have the freedom We have the freedom of the Holy Spirit here at First Open Bible. Praise God. Um, Just for the sake of uh, the recording and for the people that come late, my name is Pastor Harris, and I am the lead pastor here at First Open Bible, and I'm so glad that you are here joining us in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Thanks for joining us for worship this morning. I'm just going to say a few things, and I'm going to pass the mic off. Uh, We have, uh, if you've been here, we've continued our Reset series Uh, You know, the winning the war in our mind. And and when I was thinking of that and we were extending it into the next month, I was thinking, how is God speaking to us in this area for our um, series? And last week was amazing, man, not did we only reset our minds, we reset, so many people reset their entire life by accepting Jesus Christ and getting baptized in water. It was incredible. And then uh, today, uh, I wanted us to reset our minds on foreign missions. Has anybody ever been on a missions trip? Raise your hand, hallelujah. Anybody in the house wanna go on a missions trip someday and haven't gone yet, hallelujah. Anybody who's been on a missions trip before or been outside and, and have ministered to people outside of our realm of influence that we normally have, have you ever been changed? If you have, say, hey, hey. Hey, hey, I, mean, I, I remember I only went on one mission's trip and it was about nine years ago when I was here. And uh, as the youth leader, I didn't quite have an, enough finances and somebody paid my way and said, I want you to really go. And I went to El Salvador and we went to the major city and then we went to the outskirts of the city and, and to some of the poorest areas I've ever even seen or known before, right? People sweeping their dirt floor and, and their ceiling is made of, 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 of just different pieces of metal that they could put together just so that way rain doesn't come through their ground grass hut. It's incredible uh, what, what I was able to see, but I went there hoping that the gospel would change those people, but I came back knowing the gospel changed those people, and it changed me. I saw it in a whole nother light, and so today about Reset, about winning the war in our mind, we need to understand that America is important. Where you're at is important. God placed you where you're at for a reason. There is a reason for where you're at. Is there a reason why you know those people? There's a reason why you have these giftings. There's a reason why we're the most blessed country in the entire world, and a lot has to do with because we are to go and to send. Amen? Church, we're to go and to send. And, and, and sometimes we get stuck in our American culture, we get stuck in our American ways, and we forget there are things outside of America that are going on. There's some terrible things, there's some amazing things, but God loves all people of all nations, of all languages. And in heaven, we're all going to worship with people that don't look like us, act like us, or even came from where we came from. That's truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. So today I've invited a missionary to share with us this morning what is happening in multiple countries, but to really highlight what God is doing in Cuba as well. Now I'm going to read a bio. He's going to come up and he's going to preach the gospel today. He's going to share some things that are going on, share his heart and his vision, and we're going to have an opportunity to pour into what God is doing in Cuba. Burles, which is an awesome name, by the way, that's a super cool name, right, Burles, like, I don't have to meet him, and I'm like, that guy sounds cool, or he sounds really strong. One of the two. Uh, Burles and Don have pastored open Bible churches in the Midwest for 40 years. They pastored their last church in uh, Freeport, Illinois, for 17 years until they retired in 2022. Retired. They just refired. During the last eight years in Freeport, God opened the door for Burles to teach pastors leadership seminars in India, Costa Rica, Cuba, Hungary, Romania, and Kenya. Burles was able to go on 16 missions trips during that time. They have just recently joined the Open Bible Missions team as missionaries at large. What does that mean? That means they live in the United States and they raise funds for the needs of the country that they're responsible for, which are these countries, Cuba, Uganda, and Kenya. Now Burles will visit each country once or twice a year, which I think he just came back from one of those countries. Now Burles is a graduate of Ashland Ashland Theological Seminary in Ashland, Ohio, where he earned his Master's of Divinity and his Doctorate of Ministry. Burles has written two books. He's written two books. I've read two books. Um, I'm not a big reader. If People know that. It's just, readers are leaders. I guess I'll lead when I'm dead or something. I don't know. Um, thank, you. thank you. I'm reading right now. I'm not going to lie. I practiced. Um, but he's written two books. The first one is From Ruins to Rebuilding. It's a cool title. And the other is, is God of the Storm. Now Burles and Don, they've been married forty one years, and their only child, Brittany, lives in Eagle, Colorado. First open Bible, will you give Reverend Burles a hand as he comes?
1: Thank you, brother. God bless you, man. Yep. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Wow, what great praise and worship. Man, if you you don't leave here with your battery charged up, something's wrong. (laughs) That is awesome. Uh, Yes, Dawn and I, we pastored uh, for 40 years. I know we don't look that old. (laughs) Forget I said that. So anyway, we did that for 40 years, we've been married for 41 years, and we did retire from the Freeport Open Bible Church, and the Lord, during that season, did allow me to take some missions trips, which now has evolved into me and Dawn being the missionaries at large. What we're going to take a look at today is we're going to take a look at three countries, Uh, but as Pastor had said Uh, We are going to focus today on Cuba, and I'll explain uh, why here in just a second or two. Uh, The Cuba Open Bible Church was started in 1937. That's when Open Bible was in Cuba. When Castro took over, then they had to leave, the Americans had to leave, but the Open Bible Churches have gone on, and there's over 100 Open Bible Churches in the country of Cuba. Open Bible began in Kenya and Uganda in 1969, still going strong, and God is doing great things in all three of those countries. So what we're going to do today, I'm going to open up with some photos I want to share with you, and then I've got a few scriptures I want to share, and then uh, we're just going to leave the rest up to the Lord and how the Lord directs your heart, all right? All right, so is it Isaac? Isaac? There we go, I can see it from here. See, I'm not that old, I can see from here. Okay, so this is going to be, the first set of photos are going to be Cuba. Uh, This is Pastor Moreno, and he is the president of the Open Bible Churches uh, there in Cuba. Uh, This is one of the churches that uh, we had gone to, so I was teaching and sharing the gospel uh, there with the uh, people of Cuba one of the things that I get to do a little differently is that when I go to Cuba and I teach pastors, I'm able to do that from 40 years of experience. And it makes a difference. I always open up my seminars like this. I said, how many of you are in the ministry? How many of you are pastoring? And all the hands go up. I said, well, good. In the ministry, you'll be lied to, lied about, betrayed, and stabbed in the back. I know I experienced all of them at some point for 40 years. And the response is always the same. We're glad that it happened to you too. (laughs) Because we thought it was just us. I go, no, Satan is alive and well all around the world. Yeah, that's just how it works. So this is Pastor David, a wonderful man, and this is one of his churches. So I want you to see what the churches in Cuba look like. Now, not all of them are this bad, but these are some of the needs that are going on. So, Isaac, if you would go ahead and go through the next slide, please. This is the side of the church. Isaiah, Isaiah, sorry about that. Oh, he's got it. Isaac, Isaiah, you know, okay. (laughs) I'm old. I told you I wouldn't remember. I told you I wouldn't remember this, so, you know, (laughs) This is the side of the church there. If you would go to the next one, Uh, that is the front of the church. They have a handful of people. I was able to go there and pray with some people, talk with some people. Uh, But again, this is kind of a typical church. What they will do uh, is they will take and they will build a garage. They will live in that garage for a while, and then they'll build a house, and then the part that was the garage becomes the church. All right? So go to the next one, sir. There you go. Now, this is Pastor David, and what I do is I take with me deodorant, toothbrushes, toothpaste, uh, shampoos, all these kind of stuff go with me. Um, Right now, they are experiencing one of the worst times that they can remember. Uh, They were all shut down for COVID like we were. Cuba reopened, and Pastor David said, you know, for a few months, we could go to the stores, and then for no apparent reason... They clamped back down on the stores. So all of the Cubans have to go to the black market to buy food, to buy groceries, coffee, eggs, whatever it is, they go to the black market and they're able to purchase these things. So I was able to bring a suitcase full of these items. I've got some at home that I'll take again. I leave for Cuba the first week of April. And I'll be able to go there. A pastor and his wife were sharing a toothbrush. Now, I love my wife. (laughs) I see the guys going, oh, man, me either, man. (laughs) I love my wife, but I just don't think we want to share toothbrushes. But that's how bad it is there. They were ripping up shirts. Now, I I always take an extra roll of toilet paper with me when I take these trips, Cuba, Africa, whatever. Thank God. I I get there and I've got this little room I stay in. I'll I'll show you in a minute. They were ripping up T-shirts and they're using them for toilet paper because they can't even buy toilet paper. All right, next one if you would. Right, there, there they are still. You can see the large suitcase there. They're bagging it up. And as we went around and I got to share with the pastors, uh, each one got a bag full of uh, items that they needed for you know, their, their, their uh, you know, hair and shaving and all that kind of stuff. Go ahead to the next one. Okay, now this is the room that I get to stay in. It's a very sparse room. Air conditioning is shut off at about uh, 10 o'clock at night and does not come back on uh, until about six in the morning, and then it shuts back off again uh, in the afternoon for another six hours. So you wake up, and it's just hot in Cuba. Go ahead. This is the pastor and his wife. Uh, that That is the church, so their church is as wide as you can see that is the platform and then their home is connected to it and that's how they do it there so go ahead to the next one and again there is their church and as you can see it's not very big but they got you know all of the pews lined up the benches are all lined up in there and they meet every Sunday and worship and praise the lord great people great voices oh i mean they're they're phenomenal singers yeah they're just great all right go ahead to the next one Now, this part here is another church that we were in, and that's Pastor David over there to the right. And so it just gives you an idea. Look at how many people are there. I mean, they come together no matter what they're going through. Their strength is Christ. Their strength is Christ. You know, I mean, it's tough for them, and they believe the Lord. Some of the homes were so poor, and I I didn't take a picture of it. I, I, I just couldn't bring myself to it. But a couple of the pastors in their homes... The pictures on the wall are ripped out of a calendar. They use a calendar and they put that up and that's the picture on their wall. Go ahead. All right. Yes, this is real. This isn't a tourist thing. That man is hauling milk. And uh, this was just a few years ago. I was there. Two years ago, was there last year. Like I said, I'm going back, and I wanted to get a picture of that because that is still transportation and how they move things around uh, in Cuba. Go ahead. And this is just the side street there. Uh, Pastor David's church is on the left there, but I just wanted people to get an idea of what's going on in the street. Area around there is deteriorating. It's hard for them to buy things to keep things fixed up. Go ahead. And then again, here's another church. Uh, that we had showed you as well go ahead all right so I was speaking at this church here and this is just their praise and worship and just like us they lift up their hands they magnify the Lord uh, they worship him close their eyes Uh, you know they are Pentecostal Pentecostal churches uh, that are there in Cuba the young lady on the left with the striped shirt on she's my interpreter her name is Jaimeles she does a pretty good job uh, interpreting uh, the stuff I'm saying. Every once in a while she'll have to say, say that again because I don't know how to interpret that into Spanish, and so i got to kind of rethink what I'm saying there. Go ahead and do the next one. Okay, so this is downtown Havana, and if you heard about the cars that they have, that is all true. Those are all in 1950-something or others. There's Ford, there's Buicks, there's Chevys, and they take care of them. And the ones that have the nicest car, they use them for taxis when visitors come. And uh, motorcycles, they got motorcycles and all of that stuff. And what they do is they something breaks, they fabricate the part. They just make it and stick it on there and keep them, keep them going. All right, go ahead. Okay, this is a museum. If you've never seen a gun, because when Castro took over, he took all of the guns. So from 1959 on, they were never allowed to ever have guns again. So the people can go in and see what a gun looks like. So they have a little museum there just off the streets in Havana. Go ahead. Okay, now this is Pastor David's church. Now Pastor David's church is the biggest church in Cuba. The city that he is in is in Guanahe. It's about 30 minutes from Havana. Runs around 400 And uh, it's lively, it's exciting, and God is using him to minister to the other churches there at Open Bible. And as I said, uh, he is the president. Go ahead. Okay, so now we are in Kenya. This is Kenya, Africa. And uh, again, I was just there, got back last week from there. Uh, We have a good-sized church uh, here. This is a friend of mine that is in Kenya, in Kisumu, And so this is Africa. So the next few slides you will see concerning Kenya. And you can, I don't have Ugandan ones yet. Um, I'll get some, but they are so similar next to each other. There's not gonna be a lot of difference. So go ahead and do uh, the next one. Okay, so this is the village. This is where they live. This is um, on uh, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. They have an open market there. Uh, But as you can see, it is a very run-down place, but people live in these places, they shop at these places, and there are no Walmarts in Kenya. I'll just tell you right now, if you forget something, you're out, because there's no Walmart to scoot off to to get something. Go ahead. Okay, so the church there that I work with, and wells are very important uh, in Kenya, and in Uganda, getting a well is very important and so, what we did is the well was purchased, and they had dug the well. And every night from five to seven o'clock, the people in Kenya can come and uh, they can get fresh water as opposed to going to the creek and getting it out of the creek. The creek is filthy. Filthy. So, this is clean water that they use for their clothes, for bathing, and for drinking. Go ahead. All right. This is another part of the village. I took another shot coming down that way. Go ahead. Yeah, this is coming up to the village, and there are people living in the buildings on the right. They just they don't have any money. They have no money, so they live in in those buildings there. Go ahead. Next one. Uh, these are some of the pastors that were at the seminar that I was teaching, and uh, go ahead to the next one. Okay, I had to take a picture of that. well the guy on the right is the pastor that I, I visit. His name is Pastor Pew, so he photobombed me. But one, two, three, four, five, six people on a motorcycle. And it's just a little, narrow little motorcycle, but there's six of them on there. And I'm like, you people are not my wife won't even ride in the back of mine. So it's like there's six of them on there. And that, but that is their transportation. You can get a motorcycle for about $900. And that gives them transportation for the pastors and so forth. All right, next one. Now, this is just a picture of Kasumo uh, Airport. Uh, that's where I landed from uh, flying to Nairobi. And then from there, fly on down to Kasumo. Uh, and that's where the ministry starts there. There may be one more on there. Maybe not. That could be the last one, I think. Oh, there he is. Oh, this is the other one I wanted to say. i got a couple of these, and I'll be done with these. Um, remember I told you to get the water out of the creek? They're getting water. They will drink that. They will bathe in that. They will wash their dishes in that. And that's where they're getting their water. So wells are an extremely important part of the health care and the health of the people that are in Africa. Very important. Uh If you get a well, then that we, and we do this in India. Uh, You know, you you buy land and you dig a well, the well first, and then they let the people from the village come in, and we tell them, this is provided by you, this was built by people in the United States because they love you and wanted you to have water. And then we build the Open Bible Churches of India, and obviously also in Kenya, Uganda, next to the well. They don't have to come, but what we do is that we let them know that God's people in America supplied this well for your well-being. And that's how it works. I think there's one more left, maybe. Yep, and there they are again, getting the, the things out of there, the water out of the well. Is there one more left? Two more? All right. Oh, okay. I was the first white man... As some of the people in this village ever saw. I mean, in person. And as you can tell, they want to touch my arms. They rub my hair. And so I'm in a classroom there. I went to visit a school. So that is the kids touching me. And go ahead to the next one. And this is another time, as you can see, they're there touching me. It's, it's hilarious. They'll come up, and they'll they'll do this. They'll put their hand up here on my arm and just slowly go like this. And then they go. <laughs> I it won't rub off. It's it's okay. I, I come this way. You know, and it's so it's funny. I, I don't I don't have a picture on this thing, but I got a picture, I got the opportunity to speak to like thirty different police officers at a police station. And I got to share with them the gospel. I got to talk to them about the responsibilities that they have in the eyes of God as police officers, enforcers of the law, and, and that you're to be protecting the people, not throwing them in jail for bribes. Just saying it. You know, that's what they do. So, so I'm talking to them, and they, each one, I'll stand off to the side, and each one kind of started coming up to my side, kind of him hawing around. I go, do you want to get your picture with me? And they go, yeah. Because again, they hadn't seen anybody in person that was white. So finally, after about the fourth one, I said, Okay, stop. Okay. Who wants to get their picture with the white guy? <laughs> and they're all like, they all just kind of huddle around us, <laughs> you know, and we're getting pictures of them. But you know what? We get to bring the love of Christ to them, whether it be Cuba or Africa. We get to let them know that the Open Bible Churches care about them and the people of America care about them. So I'm just going to take a few moments, read a couple passages of Scripture, and then we'll turn the service back over to Pastor here in just a second. In Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, I'm going to read out of the New King James. And it says this, Then he looked up and saw the rich, putting their gifts into the treasury. And he, of course Jesus, Saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. Two mites were—they were so thin you could almost see through them—and uh, they were worth like a half a penny or less if you look it up. So he said, "Truly, I say to you, that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all of these, out of their abundance, have put in, in offerings for God, but she." out of her poverty has put in all her what livelihood that she had. The reason that I want to use this passage of scripture, after pastoring for 40-some years, I cannot tell you the times that people came up to me and said, Pastor, I would just love to give to that mission, or I would love to give to that project, but I, I don't have the money. And the one thing that I saw over the years is this. It is not the amount of money that you give, it is the heart and attitude you give it with. If you have a dollar and you say Cuba, it'll go to Cuba. And your dollar will go with somebody else's dollar and somebody else's dollar. And, look, and I thank God that for people that can give generously. I mean, that's awesome because that's a blessing for us that are, are working on the missions and doing the things we're doing but I don't want you to get robbed of a blessing from the Lord because you think, well, what can a dollar do? A dollar in those countries is huge. Huge. In Kenya, it's two loaves of bread. And God can take it and use it. And God can multiply it. And it also gives you an opportunity to help our brothers and sisters in Christ in these open Bible churches. So you may be thinking, because I can't give anything big, I'm not going to give anything at all. And I want to just encourage you, that is not the case. God will take it and use it. As a missionary at large to these countries, I can go and see what the projects are. I can go and make sure that wherever the money is being sent to or where we take it, that it's going where it is supposed to go, because that's important. You know, I told the Kenyans, I said, look, Americans, we don't, we'll give, but if we think you're ripping us off, you won't get a penny. I mean, that's just how we are. You know, we'll give. But if I find out that this didn't go where it was supposed to go, it'll stop. You know, because nobody wants to feel like they're getting taken. And so what we do then is I'm able to go, and I'm able to see where the finances belong. I'm able to give a truthful statement of what is needed in these countries, And any support that is able to be given to them, I can direct it and make sure, and make sure that the project or whatever it was given to will be completed. As Pastor had mentioned, he asked me this morning, he goes, what is the number one need in these three countries? And I I will tell you, it is Cuba. It is Cuba. I have been uh, partnering with, I talked with Aaron And M-O-V-E and me, we're going to partner for another container. And so what we're going to do is Aaron's going to raise money through the M-O-V-E and get shovels and concrete and wheelbarrows and get the things needed to get to Cuba. I am going to try to raise the money to buy beans, rice, oil, toothbrushes, toothpaste, and put that in the container. And so that is really the number one goal, you know, and I just pray that God will lay it on your heart as he would direct you, you know, in your giving. You know, Kenya is important too, so is Uganda, but I also know you get burdened down with so many options. It's like, okay, where do I give? Well, let's just focus on Cuba for today. You know, there's always other times that you can give and do those things. Let me close up with this. I want to share with you one little final thought here. May I ask you if you would put us on your prayer list? You know, pray for the countries that I've mentioned that we're responsible for. Pray for me, you know, as I travel to these places. My, my wife, and we we're getting interviewed by the board, you know, and I go to some pretty dangerous places. I go to, I've been to Costa Rica about five or six times doing some ministry there and there, but there's one place called Pavas. Pavas is a gang held area outside of San Jose. And uh, so I go there and the, met the pastor. And he says, I want you to come to my church, but it's in Pavas. Uh, and I'm like, eh. And I had somebody from the church with me. And I said, look, God's opening the door. I said, I don't, I'll go. But you don't have to go if you don't want to. And he says, nope, if you're going to go, I'm going to go. I said, yeah, but I need somebody to identify my body. So we went together, I tell you what, they said it was the calmest Sunday morning they had seen there in years. It was the presence of the Lord. But as we crossed over and we had to take a ride, like an Uber ride over there, the Uber driver points out and he says, okay, once we cross this street, if something happens to you, they will bring your body to this street and then the police will come and take it because the police won't even go where you guys are going. So my wife says I'm fearless. I think there's a fine line between fearless and stupid. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I've crossed both more than once. (laughs) But you know, when you're going to preach the gospel and God opens the door, I just, you know, I just go. Let me close up with this thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart. See, I'm not here to manipulate your feelings. I mean, I can show you all kinds of pictures, probably bring tears to your eyes, but I... I pastored for 40 years. I I did not like that. I don't want to be manipulated. I just want to know what's the needs so that we can take care of them. So he says, don't give, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under, look at compulsion, you know, this guilt trip that, okay, you got to give. You know, Paul says, I don't want giving like that. And I don't either. I want it from the heart, okay? For God loves. Now notice, this is God. He takes pleasure in. He prizes above all things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful giver. I'll read the rest of it here in a second. He says, God's looking. He knows your heart. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to bail on you. He's not going to do it. He, says he just wants you to give from your heart, to be a cheerful giver. If you can put in a dollar and be cheerful, great. If you put in 50 and you're cranky, pray about it. <laughs>
0: just
1: saying, okay? But he says a cheerful, this means a joyous, prompted to do it, prompted to do it by the Holy Spirit, a giver whose heart is, look at whose heart is in his giving. I want your heart to be in it. Because there's always more needs than money. I have learned this on the missions field. But I can target the greatest needs to all of these places and direct it where it needs to go to be the biggest blessing to the people of Cuba. So I'm gonna close. Uh, We have a sign up sheet in the back. Uh, Just put your checking account number. No, I'm kidding. If you would like to receive our newsletter, we're kind of just starting this off, so it might be a little while before you get one, but if you'd like to receive a newsletter, either by email or mail, just updating you on what is going on with Open Bible in these countries, just put your name on there. Also, there are sheets in the back that outline the giving, Uh, you know, how much scooters are and how much this is and that is. Uh, That's also back there uh, as well. And uh, so God bless you, Pastor. Thank you, sir, for your time. Thank you for letting me come. Don and I come and share with your people.
0: Here in a moment I'll have you guys stand. Amen. Praise God. Anybody ever been to Cuba? Yeah? Amen. Okay. We want you to pray in Spanish. Ready? I'm just playing. <laughs> <No> comprende. <laughs> um, I just want to say a few words I, I don't know how you were raised I don't know where you came from I don't know uh, what beliefs that you have Or thoughts that you have We've been teaching our kids from the moment they've been born And my parents did the same thing with me I love, absolutely love That God has created people that look different I love it I truly do. I grew up in Oregon where there's cultures everywhere. I mean, my high school was um, 33% Latino, and then there's all kinds of other cultures as well there. I loved it. That's what I grew up in. And the reason why I think I love it so much is because God loves it. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. It, it, I just was looking up this scripture when he was talking. First off, thank you for what you do, thank you for going. Thank you that nothing is going to hold you back, even stupidity. Praise <laughs> God. Amen. <laughs> you said it. I just repeated it. Okay. Amen. Dad do stupid stuff too. No amens. Okay. Um, there's an opportunity. Amen. Wife in the back. Amen. So I'm going to read a little bit of scripture, I'm going to say just a few things and why we wanted today to be today, and then I'm going to say just a, a couple more things. We're going to pray for, uh, for them and the, and the work that they have, and we're going to have an opportunity. Brent, will you please come? Good job, I forgot, thanks. Um, <laughs> see what happens, when I don't have pages of notes, right? Squirrels take over my life. Um, I want to read something out of Revelation chapter 7. This hit me hard when I first became a believer. Uh, it's in verse 9 and 10. It says, uh, it's talking about heaven. Uh, it's talking about the vision that John had, that, that Jesus uh, gave him. And, and then uh, it's talking in here, it's talking about praise that came from a great crowd. Okay? I love that our church doesn't all look the same, that we don't all come from the same backgrounds. I love it. I want more of that. I want different generations, uh, different nationalities. Uh, I I, I desire that. And here's the reason why I desire it, because God's Word tells me we should. Uh, This is what heaven looks like right now, okay? Verse 9. I'm going to read out of NLT. After this, I saw a vast crowd, which means a very, very large crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language people in Cuba that are going to find Jesus because of what you are doing in Kenya and the other place I can't remember because I don't have my notes Uganda. Uganda, thank you Africa from every tribe every nation every people, language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb they were clothed in white robes they held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar salvation comes from our god who sits on the throne and from the lamb there's no segregation there's no boundaries in heaven and there shouldn't be here on earth in my opinion I realize we live in a country that is blessed. I, I realize that we grew up or we grow up wherever we grow up, whatever God has placed us in those positions, but we're accountable to how we treat and love people. And these are our fellow, not only believers, they're our fellow open Bible people right? These are pastors. These are people that are worshiping. These are Pentecostals. These are people that we don't even know what struggle looks like, and they live it every single day. And what can we do? What can we do? It just really struck me um, uh, when I became a believer that God loves everyone. It says in His Word that not one shall perish. He doesn't love one type of people different or, or more than anyone else. He loves us all the same because He sent His Son to die for every single soul ever and if we can give church i think we need to give right if god has pressed something upon your heart uh, not only because we love people because god loves people amen He loves people. So here in a moment, I'm going to ask you uh, to feel free and come and give your tithes and offerings. If you have a little envelope that should be in front of you, or if you need one, there's like these little things on the back that have envelopes, you can mark missions on there. Or you can give online as well. Every mission dollar that is given this entire month is going to go toward Cuba of Open Bible, right? And it's going to go through their ministry. We're going to send it off uh, to the headquarters. They're going to distribute it exactly the way they need. If we can build wells, wouldn't that be amazing? We can provide a motorcycle that looks like it should be in a circus because there's 24 people on there. That's amazing, right? Whatever we can do, whatever we can help with, if we can give some finances there, we need to do it. This entire month will be dedicated to this. Why? Because it matters to God's heart, so it should matter to our heart. Amen? Amen. Uh, Burles and Don, will you please stand where you're at? People that are around them, will you lay your hands on them, please? Will you leadership and stuff? Will you lay your hands on them? We're going to pray for them, church. Uh, if you're not writing something out or getting some finances prepared, just go ahead and extend your hand. Okay, Father, thank you for sending people. Thank you for the call of God on all of our lives. But I lift up this precious couple to you now. I thank you for the years of ministry. I get it, what he's saying. In ministry, we've been through some things. But God, that doesn't stop us from the call and it won't stop them either. Father, I pray that when you send them, you put angels, warring angels, to surround them. Wherever they go, they'll be protected. It says in your word that you go before us in every battle, God. May you go before them in every battle that you've prepared for them to fight. I thank you for the people that can surround themselves around them. I thank you for the things that they've been doing and the things that they've been called to. But God, we pray for more. Increase, God. Increase finances. Increase favor. Increase the ministry. Increase the power and the giftings of the holy spirit uh, uh, give them more wisdom and knowledge in god may you give them more uh, speak to them exactly as they need to be spoken to i'm reminded in your word that uh, the apostle paul your son he says be all things to all people and so god may may burles may he walk into a place where he's in uganda that he knows he needs to be a certain person to reach those type of people that are going through those type of things god and then when he goes to cuba the same thing and anywhere that you send him let him be all things to all people at the time that you need him to be let him be sensitive to the holy spirit i pray that you protect him in everywhere that he goes i thank you for the preparation but God may you anoint them now with your power and your presence God I thank you for the call that's on their life we pray for more I'm reminded in your word it's not about the harvest that that there needs to be more harvest the harvest is there what we pray for is that God would send workers that there be more workers to go into the harvest thank you for these workers that they're going into a harvest that many of us probably will never go but you're sending them. Press upon all of our hearts and our minds too. God, what can we do today, but in the future? I just pray, send us. Lord, here we are. Send me. Send us, God. If we can't go physically, send our prayers. If we can't go physically, send our finances. If we can't go physically, send whatever supplies we need. Whatever it is that we can do, send us to be a blessing. God, we wouldn't have anything if it were not for you anyway. Worthy is the Lamb. We join all those tribes, those tongues, and those nations right now. And we thank you. Worthy is the Lamb of God. If you agree, say amen, church. Amen. Will you please stand? Feel free at this time or uh, before we leave, feel free to come and bring your tithes and offerings if you have that mark of missions. Um, If you can, get an envelope or on your way out. We're going to sing a song before we go. Uh, And then also, Burles and um, uh, Dawn, if you don't mind going here in just a second soon she's done talking to you, Uh, man, your your battle station over there, uh, the table. If you have any questions, feel free to talk to them. We love you. Can't wait. Next week, we're going to continue our series that we have right now, and we're going to keep going and resetting our minds. We love you. See you soon. Don't forget Wednesday.